like you to turn with me to uh, the gospel according to St. Mark, the 14th chapter. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 32. And while you're, while you're reading, I want to just share a little nugget with you that I ran across. And anytime I read something that blesses me, I like to share it with you. Um, and this little nugget says, what you see depends mainly on what you look for. I'm going to read that again. What you see depends mainly on what you look for. The reason many people don't get answers from God is the same reason a thief does not find a policeman. He's running away. Is that right? How we position ourselves to receive makes all the difference. Amen. To one person, the world is desolate, dull and empty. To another, the same world looks rich, interesting and full of meaning. The choice is up to you. Say it's up to me. The choice is up to you. It's the same way a $20 bill can look so big when it goes to church and look so small when it goes to the grocery store. (laughs) Is that right? If you look at life the wrong way, there is always cause for alarm. What you see depends mainly on what you look for. Most people complain because roses have thorns. Instead, be thankful that thorns have roses. Position yourself to receive, not resist. How you see things on the outside of you depends on how things are on the inside of you. Amen. What you see depends mainly on what you look for. I like that last sentence there. It says, again, uh, how you see things on the outside of you depends on how things are on the inside of you. Glory to God. That's why we've been talking about as we've gone through the series uh, uh, about uh, preparing for greater. And uh, we've been talking about preparing for greater in relationships. And we've we've said that it's critically important that each one of us truly know ourselves. Amen. To know ourselves so that we can be, um, you know, self-aware enough to say this is what's missing in me. And I got to let the Holy Spirit fix that. Here's where I, I, I have these issues and I, I got to stop pretending like I, I don't have them and, and f- face them head on so that God can deal with me. Because I, I, I am convinced that many of us sitting here right now, God is trying to heal us on the inside so he can prepare us, amen, to relate to people on the outside. But he can't heal us on the inside because we're too stubborn enough to admit that, it, that we got an issue. Amen. We're too prideful to say that. Listen, there is something that that that's not right about me. Can I get a witness? And God wants to do it. But we got to know ourselves. Being self-aware means I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. And it's not it's not it's not a, a you know, it's not something to be uh, shameful or, or, or high, because until you actually know yourself and are honest with yourself, it's going to be difficult for you to relate properly to people. And God's got to get all of us to a point where we're relating properly with, with knowing ourselves so that we can relate properly to people. Because he saved us, guess what, to go and reach somebody else. He saved us to be an encouragement to somebody else. But if we're all jacked up and messed up on the inside, how are we going to be able to help somebody else? When all of our time is, is going to uh, having a pity part of ourselves, looking at, looking at ourselves and what all is wrong. And so we don't, we're not able to see life the way God desires for us to see it because we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with us on the inside. So we got to get to the point where we're prepared to do this relationship thing. So this is the last part of this series. And I know y'all probably say, Pastor, that's a long series. 
But that's okay. This is so important, guys, that if I have to preach it for another year, I'll preach it for another year. Because if we don't get this part right, all we're doing is just doing church. Oh, we had a good time at church. The little babies They did a good job. Amen. MOV sung and told us to, what did they tell us? Hold on. Let it go. Okay. Oh, no, y'all ain't tell us to hold on. Okay. All right. Let it go. <laughs> MOV call. Y'all were trying to tell us to get it right on this side. Let it go. <laughs> Glory to God. There's some songs that come out. Hold on. You hold on to God's unchanging hand. Okay. All right. But that stuff on the inside, let it go. Look at the neighbor say, let it go. Say, MOV told you to let it go. All right. <laughs> but, but we don't want to just be here to have a, 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 a service. We want, to, we want to come here so that we can encourage each other, so that we can grow and develop and become the individual, the vessel that God desires for us to be. Because when we become the vessel that God desires for us to be, that he can utilize us to reach others. Amen. And we don't need, you know, it, it, within the confines of a church, you'll have people at different spiritual levels. We can't have everybody in the church messed up. I mean, to let me back up, all of us are messed up to some degree. Right. But but we have to have people who are growing and who are still not getting mad about little bitty stuff that you got mad about when you first got saved. I'm talking about in the church. I'm talking about born again believers. I'm talking about people who say they love Jesus. They want him to be, and he is the Lord of their life. We have to make a conscious commitment to submit ourselves to a process of discipleship so that we can grow and God can use us to reach people. Are you ready for the growth process? Are you ready to change? Oh, I got two or three. Are you ready to change? Because here's what I got to tell you. I don't care how long you've been saved. I know you say, well, I remember the day when I, was, I, I, got, I got born again. It was one Friday night or whatever at the revival. That's cool. But, but from the moment that you are saved, God expects each one of us to grow and to mature in our faith so that he can use us as a, at a higher level. So we got to get there, okay? Amen. Life will throw you some curveballs. Stuff will happen that will knock you off your feet. It happens to all of us because the Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. But listen, we serve a God who's able to do anything except fail. Amen. So now get back. Let's, let's go to Mark, the 14th chapter. So what you see depends mainly on what you look for. Amen. Glory to God. Mark, the 14th chapter, verse number 32. Let's read together. It says what? They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. The text says he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Now, notice, notice again, here he had the disciples that were following him, but he told, told the, the larger portion of the group to stay right here. And then he took his inner circle along with him, Peter, James, and John. Took them a little bit further in because now he's getting ready to to uh, to to experience a man, a man, a, a, a deeply troubling event that's going to take place in his life. Can I get a witness? The night before let me say this, the night before Jesus went to the cross. And this is what this scene is right here. He was agonizing over that which he knew he would soon endure. And he took the disciples with him and went to this garden of Gethsemane to pray. Everybody say pray. So he took Peter, James, and John with him to the inner circle, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Verse 34 says this. Let's read it together. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here 
and watch with me and keep watch with me. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Verse 36, let's read together. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. How many of you uh, in your prayer life, how many of you and you're going about your daily uh, being can honestly confess this and say what Jesus said here. Here's what I want, but Lord, not my will. I want your will to be done. Now, I know sometimes we give that lip service because sometimes God's will is different than our will. Many times God's pathway for our life is different than our pathway, the pathway that we would choose. But yet still God, amen, knows what's best for us. Jesus prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. Next verse, 37. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Read on. The text says what? Keep watch and pray. Everybody say watch and pray. So that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Amen. The body is weak. Now, again, we're, we're, we're capping this off because we already talked about be kind to one another. On your outline, we talked about the one another's that we've been through uh, as a part of our becoming more relational. Amen. Uh, as born again believers. Uh, the thing that I know uh, that most churches suffer from is is authentic community. One of the, the, the parts of our new members orientation curriculum talks about, as a matter of fact, the first one talks about authentic community. Being in community or community means doing life together, sister darling. That means we're doing life together with people. Doing life together with people. Everybody say doing life together with people. Uh, In particular, we're talking about doing life together with other born again believers who are part of our community of faith here at Elizabeth Baptist Church in the big town of Benton, Louisiana. Amen. In the glorious, beautiful, amen, need to get their place called Bit. That's where God decided to locate this ministry. And so we want to do authentic community together, but it's difficult to do authentic community together. It's difficult to do life together with people when we are not growing and allowing God to develop us. Because it's too easy, come on, to be by yourself. It's too easy to do life, amen, on your own terms. And God is saying, I saved you, I delivered you, I allowed you to have a born-again experience so that I could use you to reach someone else. And not only to reach them with the gospel message, but to do life together with them. And many of you sitting there right now, and I, and I, know, I, know, you, I know you're there because I was there. Come on, I was born again, but I was there. Yeah, I'm cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing, you know. I don't bother nobody. Don't nobody bother me, so everything's good. But listen, when you are born again, believer, doing life the way God wants you to do it in authentic community, there are some stuff that's going to bother you. There are some people who have problems that their problems should bother you. Because if I am in authentic community with you, then when when you weep, I weep. When you cry, I cry. Amen. When you rejoice, I rejoice because we are doing life together. And many of our 
members of our various churches across this land and country have failed to realize that that's part of our mandate, amen, from God is to do life together, to have authentic community where I can tell you, amen, when I mess up, when I'm hurting. I can tell you when, when I'm going through something and, and it not affect our relationship to the point that where we split apart. Can I get a witness? And so that's the kind of church we're trying to build here. We're not trying to build a church where you just come and have a good time and leave and go. We, we're trying to build an environment, a culture that's different than the world's culture. We're trying to develop a church culture that says that, that, that we can connect together and do life together. And, and, and when you're going through, when you're hurting, you're suffering, we're going to be there to help lift you up and vice versa. When you're rejoicing, we want to rejoice with you. That's the kind of culture that we're trying to create here at Elizabeth Baptist Church. Are we there yet? Obviously not. But we're trying to get there. And so that's what this teaching is all about, doing, preparing for greater. Because when we get there, it's going to help us to be the church that God called and ordained for us to be. So Jesus says, keep watching, pray, so that you will not give into temptation. But the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Look at the next verse. Let's read on. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. The text says, when he returned to them again. Come on, y'all. He found them what? Sleeping. Some of y'all sleep too much. Amen. For they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. The text says in verse number 41, let's read. But when he returned to them the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. In this final hour, the son of God asks for prayer. But his best friends didn't deliver. Let me say it again. In his final hour, the son of God asked to pray, said, watch and pray. But his friends, amen, the inner circle, Peter, James and John, the ones that were closest to him, fell asleep. Couldn't keep their eyes. How many of y'all can remember a time when your, your eyes were so heavy and you couldn't seem to stay awake no matter how hard you tried? How many of y'all have been sitting in church while I'm preaching the sermon and I'm sweating up here trying to give you revelation knowledge from deep down in my core, all down up in my soul, trying to exegete the text so you can get proper understanding, stayed up all night Saturday to give you a word and you up here sleep while I'm preaching. Anybody in the house? I'm looking right now to see if anybody's asleep. Here Jesus is. But Craig comes his final hour, and the boys who were closest to him, he told them to watch and pray, yet they were asleep. They were asleep. Now, guys, I, I can understand. I, there, there are times when, when because of work schedules and stuff that we get, our eyes get a little bit heavy. But I would, I would implore you right now. I, I, would, I, would, I would try to convince you uh, to, to go to bed early on Saturday before you come here on Sunday. Can I get a witness? I would implore you to spend some time in prayer, amen, asking God to give you a rhema word that will transform your life when you step up in this place on Sunday. Come expecting, amen, to get a word that will transform your situation. Come looking for a revelatory word on Sunday. And, I, and when you come looking for a word, I promise you, it'll help you to stay awake because you, 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 you're expecting God to give you something that will transform your life and your situation. Now, Jesus here, guys, let's move on now, because we're talking about in this last one we're going to deal with, uh, pray for one another. Because on Wednesday night, we dealt with be kind to one another. We talked about being kind. Y'all remember that Bible study? So kindness is something that we as a body of believers need to, uh, to employ. So we won't spend a whole lot of time on that, if any at all. But I want to talk about today praying for one another. 
I'm, I'm talking about genuinely. I'm not talking about telling people you're going to pray for them and then leave and really don't pray for them. Y'all know we got a lot of that going on. There. I'm be praying for you, sister. You lying? The moment you leave, you're going to forget about what y'all are even talking about. We got to get to a point to where prayer is an integral part of what we do as a body of believers. Because relate, being relational involves praying for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus was patient with his disciples when they fell asleep praying for him. He said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus asked for prayer. We should be asking for prayer. Can I get a witness? Let's move down. Go, go with me to James, the fifth chapter. We're talking about intercessory prayer. The Bible commands us to pray for one another. To, to intercessory prayer is prayer that's interceding on behalf of someone else. Most of us, if we're honest about it, are good at praying for our needs. Because we, especially if we're struggling, especially if we have a particular need that seems not to be getting met, we, we, will, we will bombard heaven with our needs, but God asks us in our relational community to take the time to pray for each other. Pray for one another. Everybody say pray for one another. The Bible commands us to do so, and, and we call it intercessory prayer. And the reason we should intercede for one another is that prayer actually does make a difference. Everybody say prayer makes a difference. If Christians believe in the power of prayer and we love one another, how can we not pray for one another? The Bible specifically mentions several categories of people we should be praying for. And uh Look, look, look with me in James uh, chapter 5, uh, verse number 16 through 18 right quick, and then we're going to jump into those different categories of people that we should be praying for. Look at what the text says here. Y'all ready? Let's read together. It says what? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Is that what it says? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The King James says the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availed much. What he's saying is that when righteous men and women of God pray, when people who have had a born-again experience take time to bombard heaven through the avenue of prayer, it affects change here in the earth realm. I don't know if we really, really truly have grasped that concept. And I know we say we pray, but do you really believe and expect an answer to the things that you're praying about? Amen? Pray, pray. Look at, let's read uh, verse number 17 right quick. Let's read. Elijah was as, watch this, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Now notice, James here says, he, he makes a, a concerted effort to point out somebody who they were familiar with. And he says, Elijah was no different than you and I. Sometimes we have the tendency to think that because somebody's name is in the Bible, they were superhuman. All right. And, and, and uh, the Moses and the Josephs and the Davids of this world were, were higher than we are. No, they were human beings just like you and I. And he says here, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell 
for three and a half years. Man of God praying that it don't rain, it didn't rain. Next verse, verse 18, let's read. Then when he prayed again, the sky set down rain and the earth began to yield its crop. See, Elijah was a man just like you and I, like pastors, just like you and I. He, 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 he was no different than us, yet he believed in what he prayed for. Praying, amen, for one another is critically important. So, so what are the different categories in your outline? We got Number one, we, we pray for ministers, missionaries, and evangelists. We got to pray for them. Go to Colossians, the fourth chapter. Pray for ministers missionaries, and evangelists. If you read, the Apostle Paul oftentimes asks his listeners uh, to pray for him that he might be able to continue preaching the word of God boldly and clearly. Text says this, pray for us too, Paul says, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. He said, I'm in jail because of preaching the gospel. He says, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Read again. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Go to go to second Thessalonians, the third chapter, verse number one. Pray for ministers, missionaries and evangelists. Second Thessalonians, chapter three, verse number one. Read together. Read. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored whenever it go, wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Verse number two, let's read. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. I'm going to add this just parenthetically, and I'm not, I don't believe, because Paul was talking to the church here, so when he was saying, for not everyone is a believer, what he was saying is not everyone in the church is a believer. Not everybody who's a member of EBC has had a born again experience. There are people who are here who know church, but don't know Jesus. There are people who who are good people, but don't know Jesus. Paul says here, not he said, pray to that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people for not everyone is a believer. Now. You know, I, I, I want to ask you a question. Now, be honest with me and be honest with yourself. You don't have to raise your hand. Just look straight ahead. You don't even have to bat your eye. But am I as your pastor on your prayer list? I mean daily. I'm not just talking about you pray when I get sick or, uh, or when my wife is sick. But am I as your pastor on your prayer list? Is my name on, do you spell my name right? D-O-Y-L-E. Is it on your prayer list? I mean, I mean, I'm talking about on, on the regular. He says, pray for, 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 for ministers, for missionaries and evangelists. If, am I on your daily prayer list? How about my wife and my children? Are you calling them by name? Pray for Pastor Doyle Adams and Sister Maria Adams. Pray for his daughter Tanya and her husband Eddie and grandson Ethan. And I pray for his daughter Sandra. Lord, she she's been schooling for a long time and and <laughs> she got three master's degrees now. Pray for Sandra. She's coming back this way. She wanted to be here today. She'll be back soon. But we, Lord, we pray for Sandra. Thank her that she's moving toward her journey of, of faith and. Thank you, God, that she's going toward her goal. And pray for Junior as he over at Louisiana Tech trying to do his thing, flying plane. You know you need to pray for him because he got to be flying the plane. 
Leroy, you got to be praying those kind of prayers. Be specific. Pray for ministers, missionaries, and evangelists. Pray that the word of God would have free course. Pray, too, that we would be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. So you got to pray for your ministers, your missionaries, and evangelists. Pray for them at all times. Even not just me, but other ministers and other pastors, even especially if you if if, if a pastor has a moral failure or has turmoil in his church, we need to be praying for him instead of talking about him. Hello? Everybody say, pray for the preacher. Are you praying? How about Pastor Pierre Fetner over in Haiti? Our churches and schools in Haiti. Are you praying for him? Are you praying for his family? Write him down. Write his name down. Pray for Pastor Pierre and be specific because the Bible says pray for your spiritual leaders. Pray for ministers, missionaries, and evangelists. Also tell us to pray for those who are sick. Go, go back to, go to James 5, 13 and 15 with me right quick. James 5, 13 and 15. Pray for those who are sick. Now sickness, because we live in a fallen world, we have sickness in our bodies, correct? How many of y'all have been sick before? I mean, I think all of us have, have faced sickness. Maybe, uh, maybe you, you didn't have a, quote, a serious illness, but uh, your body at some point in time, I'm sure, has been attacked. And the power of prayer is there to help. James chapter 5, verse number 13 says, read, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should what? Pray. Are any of you happy? You should do what? Sing praises. Uh, next verse says what? Are any of you sick? You should what? You should do what? The elders of the church or the spiritual leadership of the church to do what? To come and pray over you, anointing you with all in the name of the Lord. Is that right? Verse 15, let's read. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So pray for those who are sick. And, and if, even in praying for sickness, be specific. I want to mention the individuals by name and be specific in expressing to God what you are believing will happen. Now, I know and I can respect this, and this is certainly not being critical, but I'm just going to tell you where I am. Some people, when they get sick, they don't want anybody to know that they're sick. Or some people, and, and again, of course, depending on what, what your illness is, you, you may not want to widely share that with everybody. And so, and, and I can understand that. But here's what I would tell you. When, when, when this woman got sick, I mean, when I, this woman, this my wife, okay. When she was diagnosed with breast cancer, we made a conscious decision that immediately after hearing about that diagnosis, we came to Bible study that Wednesday night and we shared what the challenge was. And here's why we shared what the challenge was. Because if I believe that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much, when the righteous people like Carolyn Taylor, amen, goes down to, on her knees in prayer, I know that change is going to take place. And so I want Carol, I want other prayer warriors praying specifically about that situation. I want you to call out breast cancer. 
I want you to call out, amen, whatever it may be, arthritis, whatever it may be, heart disease. Call it out specifically. Because when we have more people praying, there's more effect and change taking place. One would put a thousand to flight, Lou. Two would put 10,000 to flight. So when righteous people are praying, amen, amen, they need to know what they're praying for in the name of the person who they're praying for and call out the disease you're asking God to heal them from. Now, again, I, again, I know sometimes there's, you know, there's certain things you, you, you may not want to share with people. But you know what? Uh, when, when that, whatever I need healing, I need healing. And, 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 and many of you all know that, that when you go into the hospital, all your shame got to leave. Can I get five witnesses up here? <laughs> I'm scheduled to get a colonoscopy before the year is over with. And you, do you not know, I don't want to put that little gown on with, with my backside out. How many of y'all seem like somebody could design a hospital gown It's a little more functional and offers some privacy, right? But when you got that thing on and you got it tied in the back and then all your backside out, you go to the bathroom and you walk down the hallway and if you're not careful. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But let me tell you something. If they're going to fix what's ailing you, your shame goes away. Can I get some mamas up in here who had some babies and were going through birth pain and you step down them stairs and say, come on, get them out. You're not up in the hospital, I don't want them doctor looking at me, no, no, get the baby out. Come on. I've carried them for nine months, it's time for them to come into the world. So, so my point is, I believe that when we learn how to say, God, you know, uh, 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 here's where I am, and I'm going to get other righteous men and women of God to pray for me, amen, people who are going to pray. Because see, sometimes when the prayer request uh, list come around, some of y'all ignore it. I ain't talking to you. I- I'm serious. I'm not talking to you right now. Because some people don't take the time to pray some people don't take the time to call out the individual situation. I want us to be a church that's so relational that you don't even have to know the person up close and personal. But when you see their name, when you see a situation, you're willing to take time out of your day right then before you forget and say, Lord, pray over this thing right now. If somebody's going to take the time to call the church office and get their need put on the prayer request list, the very minimum that we could do is pray about it. As a matter of fact, I don't, I don't even want to minimize that because prayer is the highest thing you can do. It's not the least thing you can do. It's not a situation where after all else has failed, let's pray. No! Prayer should be the very first thing you do, and we ought to be specific. Be specific. Be specific. Call it out. Mention the individual by name and be specific in expression to God what you're believing will happen. Call, call for the elders to hurt. Help. Get back, get, get back to, uh, to, to James. It says, calls James chapter 5. Look at verse number 14 with me again. Popped it up real quickly. It says, are any of you sick? Are any of you sick? 
or any of you sick, you should call. Sometimes we don't know that you're sick. So you should call for the spiritual leaders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, the word translated sick in this passage suggests extreme sickness or an extreme illness. Although we are right to pray about any health problem, James says that when someone is battling serious illness, call in the spiritual leaders of the church for prayer. Can I put it this way? Call in the big guns. And I don't mean this in an in in arrogant or, or a braggadocious way. Call, when I say big gun, call people over to your house who you know pray. Don't call the, the occasional prayer person who don't have no faith, who don't even believe what they're praying when they pray it. Call people who, who know and understand that God is able to do exceeding abundant above all we can ask or think. Call the person who believes in the power of prayer. Y'all with me? That's what it says. I'm just reading you what the script said. Are any of you sick? Keep it to yourself. Don't tell nobody. You know, and, and there, I've heard of stories and I've, where, where people end up passing away and the family members really didn't even know what was going on because they were so, they would just keep stuff to themselves. And sometimes it's, it's, it's good, listen to me, to, to let others know what's going on with you so that they can help you to, to intervene at an earlier stage. Because again, I tell you before, it's, it's critically important many times in, in the healthcare arena to do stuff in a preventive manner ahead of time. And, and again, every sickness, you know, can't be prevented just because you went early. But what I'm saying is there's some stuff that we don't have to deal with if we go and get intervention early enough. Right? And another thing I would tell you this is that be considerate of those who are, who are, who are part of your family unit. If you're going to be hard-headed and then go through a process where it messes you up, then now somebody's got to take care of you. Come on. Because many times we focus on the, on the sick, but we don't focus on the one who's giving care to the sick. They need much prayer too. And so I don't want to put my wife in a position of having to take care of me if it was something I could have done to not allow that thing to get to a point to where, you know, I'm just, I need all the help in the world. Does that make sense? Because to me, that's the ultimate in selfishness. So, so let's, let's make sure that, that, we, that we tell our family members especially and tell prayer warriors, hey amen, here's what I'm dealing with, pray for me. Can I get a witness? So we got to be considered because I'm, I'm telling you what happens. I've seen it happen, been around this thing long enough to know that what ends up happening is the person who's taking care of you, that's the person, who, the person who's sick be the meanest toward. Now how are you going to be mean to the person who's there to got to take you to the doctor, got to feed you? You ought, you, you ought to be, come on, you ought, you ought to be treating them like royalty. Because they doing stuff that ain't nobody else going to do, the truth be told. If they were going to do it, they would have been there. Hello? So don't, 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 don't be selfish. Everybody say don't be selfish. So call for the elders to help to pray over. All is, is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit 
and a demonstration of our desire to be obedient to God. He says, if you're sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. So when you see us at the altar bring the oil up, what we're saying is when we anoint that person with oil, we're saying we're depending on the Holy Spirit to do his affecting work. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When we pray in faith, that don't mean every time somebody's going to get healed on this side. I believe it. I'm confessing it. But there are times when God will not only, he, he won't heal, but he'll perfect you. Can I get, y'all missed that. There are times when he may not heal you on this side, but he'll perfect you on the other side. Because when you leave this body here, amen, you're going to have a what? A glorified body. It is going to be perfect without pain, without ailment, without sickness. And God will sometimes, amen, in this infinite wisdom, I don't understand it, but sometimes he allows some to transition and others he'll work a miracle. So I'm not going to sit there and try to, 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 to judge the fairness of God as to well, why he didn't do it in this case. He did it over there. God is God and he does what God does. Listen, I'm kind of like Job, Job, and Job was a little bit off when he said it, but I, I can appreciate what he said. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Amen. I don't care what's going on in my life. I know I'm going to trust God to do what's best for Doyle or Adam Senior. Are y'all tracking with me today? So, 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 so call for the elders for help and pray in faith. Pray in faith. Amen. Again, praying in faith. Amen means that I, I'm going to believe what I'm praying for. And, and, and I, we've seen people get healed. We've seen people transition to the other side. God healed them on the other side. So whether he heals them on this side or perfect them on the other side with a glorified body, listen, we know God is God and he's going to do what's best for us. Can I get a witness? So pray in faith. Everybody say pray in faith. Now you can't have faith for healing if you don't have scripture on healing. Because to get faith for healing, you got to know what God's word says about healing. Amen? You got to know what God's word says about Because faith comes by what? And hearing by what? The word of God. So pray for those who are sick. Okay, be, be specific. Call for the elders to help. And then pray in faith. Don't pray doubting. Why are you going if to, you, if you're going to doubt, don't even pray. Just, just, just go home or do something. I don't know. Meditate. But you got to, you got to, Jesus says, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. And he said, he put it this way, he says, uh, when you're facing these mountains in life, he says, say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not die in your heart, but shall bleed at those things which he says shall come to pass. He'll have what he says. And what he's trying to do to get us to understand is that this faith wall requires us, amen, to trust what God said in his word. And you can't trust what God said in his word if you don't know what God's word says. Because faith coming by and hearing by. So if I'm going to have faith for healing, I got to find scripture that deal with healing and meditate on that and meditate on that. And say it out verbally. I need to hear the words in my mouth saying what God's word says about me. Well, brother, pastor, well, 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 here's what it's looking like. I don't care what it's looking like. I'm going to speak what I believe, not what I see. That's what faith is. Faith is speaking what you believe, not what you see. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are what? Not seen. So if I'm going to have faith, that means that even if it don't look, 
It may not look good, but guess what? I'm trusting God for the good because he'll work everything out together for my good. Amen. So the next thing category of people we need to pray for, we need to pray for the persecuted. Go to Hebrews 13 and 3. Those who are facing persecution, those who are uh, in, 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 a, in a dire state, amen, those who may be imprisoned or what have you. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse number 3, the text says, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Now, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you prayed for somebody in prison? Have you sat back and said, well, you know, they, they get, get what they deserve? There are people who are innocent and in jail. Y'all know that, right? Amen. And even, even if they're not innocent, they're, they're there, and the Bible says pray for them. Is that what the text says? Watch it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt the pain in your own bodies. Is that right? Back up to verse 1 and 2. Let's roll down. Look at verse 1 here of Hebrews 1, 13. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. He's talking to the church. As brothers and sisters. Next verse says what? 2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Showing hospitality, being kind. Listen, we're, we're in a climate in this country where it's, it seems like it's okay to be ugly and mean rude. And I'm telling you, the church cannot get sucked into that climate of the culture of society. I, God expects better of us. So don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some have done, some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. And that's when he goes into verse number three. Let's look at it again. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. So pray for the persecuted. Pray for governing authorities. Go to 1 Timothy 2. Now here's one. All, I, I, I sense in my spirit that we need some help. A lot of people need some help in the climate that we're living in right now. But this is what the word of God says. So either I'm going to be biblical or I'm going to do life my own way. And if I choose to do life my own way, I'm not walking under God's covering. Pray for governing authorities. First Timothy chapter number two. Watch this. First Timothy chapter number two. <laughs> Verse one says, well, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Let's read together. Can we read together? Y'all, y'all not read with me. I need y'all to read. Because first of all, see, Jesus, when he went to pray, people went to sleep. Some of y'all are going to sleep now. Give me about 13 more minutes. I'm going to be finished. But you can't go to sleep on this part right here. Read, let's read. I urge you. First of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. All people, right? Verse black, white, yellow, brown, don't matter. The, I, I'll tell you before and I'll say it again. It is so ridiculous and asinine and mundane for people to treat people different based on what it look like on the outside. Crazy. And the body of Christ has to get it right first. The world will not get it right until the body of Christ, the church, gets it right. That's the problem right now. The church ain't getting it right. Pray this way for kings 
and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Verse number three. Let's read. Come on, let's go. This is good and pleases God our Savior. What pleases God? What is good and pleases God our Savior? Pray for those who are in authority. Kings. We don't have a king, but we got a president. <laughs> we got a president who may want to be a king, but he ain't a king. He's a president. But guess what? Your responsibility, child of God, is to do what? Now, see, here's, what, here, here's how fickle some of us are. I'm talking about some of us. If it ain't you, just keep looking straight ahead. If it is you, you can kind of turn your head like this. Hmm. See, it's easier to pray for your leaders when you help vote them in the office. See, just like the vitriol that some, some of you may feel about our current president and, and all of the, the foolishness that's going on, I, I admit there's foolishness there. There are some who felt the same way when, when the prior president was in there. And as believers, I'm not, ta- I, I'm not even addressing the world. I'm not talking about this from a political standpoint. I am talking about believers and what the scripture says. See, believers, a man should pray for their leaders. But believers also should do like John the Baptist did with Herod. And I preached that one day. But I'm going to give you a little snippet of it. Those of you who study your Bibles, remember this. John the Baptist, amen, if you, if you watch him, he never said anything about the political climate or, or who was in charge until the one who was in charge, King Herod, slept with his brother's wife. And John the Baptist, who was a man of God, called out the king for taking his brother's wife. He called out a moral failure. And see, the problem I have with, quote, evangelicals is the fact that you see moral failure, but you're too chicken to call it out. That's the problem I got. Vote for whoever you want to vote for, amen, and, 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 and whatever party you want to vote for. But when you see morality, when you see sin, you, I don't care if I voted for you, I'm going to call the sin out. Oh, 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 you know, uh, we, we, we elected a president, not a saint. Well, you called out sin before. Why are you not calling it out now? People, people listen, we, we're living in a climate, guys. I'm telling you, it's, it's, I'm not talking about the, the world. I'm talking about the church. See, the church has a response. I'm going to talk to the church. Paul said, this is, Paul said I, I'm, this is, it ain't my job to deal with unsaved folk out there in the world. He says, my job is to speak to the church. And when the church fails to call out sin because it's politically inexpedient, I got a problem. God's got a problem. John the Baptist was beheaded because he called out the king's sin. The king was messing with, took his brother's wife, and his brother's wife had a daughter who danced seductively in front of the king, and the king made a proclamation, whatever you want, child, I'll give it to you. And the mama whispered in her ears, go ask for John the Baptist's head on the platter. 
And then once the king made a declaration, he signed it with his signature, he could not reverse it. So the daughter told the king, I want John the Baptist's head on the platter. And he beheaded John the Baptist. But John the Baptist never did deal with the man's politics, but he dealt with the man's moral failures. So we got to call out sin when we see it. That's the problem I got. I said, that's the problem I got. Because I got to deal with the church. God called me to deal with the church. If the church get it right, society will get it right. But we have a responsibility. Pray for what? Governing authority. See, it's more difficult to pray for them when they have a different ideology than you do or when you disagree with many of the decisions that they make or when their integrity is in question. The Bible don't say don't pray for them if you don't agree with them. No, it says pray for them. See, some of y'all are getting quiet right now because you know you haven't been doing it and you don't even have any intention of doing it. But it's what the Bible says. So, I, 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 listen, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm going to choose when I know better, I'm going to do better. When I know what the word says, I don't care how I feel. I've told you all before, be obedient and let your feelings catch up. And if your feelings don't ever catch up, you be obedient. So everybody say, pray for those who are in governing authority whether it's, the, whether it's the mayor the governor whoever it don't matter if you voted for them the Bible says you got to pray for them amen say it again say it one more time say it like you mean it alright so pray for governing authorities I want to say something right quick remember the kind of culture in which Paul was writing this letter here when he, when he says pray for them uh, they had never heard of a Christian government. They lived under a pagan Roman empire that was corrupt to its very core and at times persecuted Christians without mercy, without showing any mercy. They would they were boil them in hot oil, crucify them upside down, crucify them like they did Jesus Christ. That's the kind of government that he was talking about. But Paul says, pray for them. He didn't say, wait till you get some even offer that you agree with and they're doing some good stuff. He said, pray for them. He commanded them to pray and evil be, look at what Romans 13 and 1, and even to be thankful. Look at Romans 13. Come on, I got to move. Romans 13 and 1. Pop it up real quick. I got to go. Y'all look at these scripture references when you get back home, okay? Because my time is moving on me. Look at what Paul says. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes where? From God. And those in position, now this is hard for some of y'all to take, but listen to, listen to what the text says. For those in positions of authority have been placed there by the voters. The text says, They've been placed there by God. Go to the KJV. Because some of y'all say that's a new living test. I want to see what the KJV says. Let every soul be subject unto high powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are what? There it is. The powers that be are ordained of God. So God knew exactly who was going to be president, who was going to be governor. 
God knew exactly who was going to be the pastor of this church in the year 2019. He knew that before I was ever born. God knew that before the foundation of the world, whatever form, that I would be right here and you would be right here. Because like I told you before, had God, had God even shown some of y'all this 30 years ago, you would have probably, some of y'all would have, I don't know, some of y'all would have cussed God. Blank, 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 I ain't going no Benton, Louisiana. I'm from California. I ain't going south. I'm from New Orleans. I ain't going up north. That's another part of the state in hell. They, they just like Texas. I'm not going to no Baptist church. Well, that's the name, but we are a Christian church. We preach Christian doctrine, Bible doctrine. But had God shown you that, some of, some of y'all would have vehemently disagreed with God when he's, if he had shown you that from, from, from a young age. You would have disagreed because you couldn't understand it. That's why God don't show us everything. Hmm? God, God didn't show you everything that would happen in your marriage. Because had he shown you that, you probably wouldn't even got married. Some of y'all wouldn't have wouldn't got married. You know you wouldn't. Huh? Is that right? Can I get one wife to say amen? amen. Can I get another husband to say amen two times? <laughs> Brother's scared. Brothers ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. If I'd have known, Pastor, I would have married you. See, your wives be sitting there. Y'all be going back home. And say, what did you say when Pastor said that? Let every soul be subject unto the powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So pray for governor authorities. That culture that Paul said that in was a decadent Roman culture, Roman governor. They, they were pagan. But he said pray for them. Pray for your enemies. Oh, Lord Jesus. Pray for your enemies. Jesus not only commanded us to pray for our enemies, but he modeled it for us. Amen. On the cross of Calvary. Look at Luke 23 and 34. And then we go to Romans 12, 14, real quick. Luke, Luke 23 and 34. Pray for your enemies. And lastly, pray for one another, which again, we get there. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gamble for his clothes by throwing dice. Jesus is on the cross of Calvary, being unjustly crucified. And he goes to the Father, Brother Vic, and says, Forgive them, for they don't really know what they're doing. They don't have a clue. God is using their vile, wicked minds to get his plan done in the earth realm. There's another passage that says that the wisdom of God is so, so powerful, so, so out of this world, so ooh-wee, so, 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 so beyond man's comprehension. The Bible says that had had, had, had man knew by crucifying Jesus Christ that it would give us an opportunity to get saved, had man, had man and the devil uh, knew that by crucifying Christ, you and I would be sitting here right here on this Sunday, fourth Sunday in December, amen, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, and got a covenant relationship with God. Had he known that, he wouldn't have killed Jesus. They thought they were snuffing, amen, God's plan out but God used them to get his plan done. That's the kind of God I serve. Can, can I get one witness up here? God will do stuff that will just blow your mind. But he tells us here to pray for your enemies. Romans, the 12th chapter. Come on, real, real quick. Romans 12, verse 14. 
Romans 12, verse 14. Can we go there real quick? Glory to God. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will. Now, now, now see, that's hard for some people because some of us, you know, we, we just want to, we want to go after folks who get, who, who, who've done us wrong. But says, pray that God will bless them. Look at verse 15. Let's go. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. 16, let's read. Uh, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Don't ever, hear me carefully, don't ever get to a point to where you think you're more than anybody else. I've so, y'all have heard, y'all don't know my heart as a pastor right now. Listen, that's not the kind of attitude we're having. Now, sometimes people think stuff because that's what's in them. I'm going to encourage you, know who you are in Christ Jesus and quit thinking less of yourself and more of other people. Be self-aware. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. 17, come on, let's go. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. 18, let's go. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Dear friends, never take revenge. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. Uh, I will pay them back, says the Lord. So stop trying to get in God's place. Stay in your lane. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, stay in your lane. Instead, if your, ing- if your enemies are hungry, do what? Feed them. If they are thirsty, do what? Give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Now, I, I, I could unpack that a little bit more, but I don't have time today. That, that's not exactly what we think it means. Okay? But, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Okay? Uh, Brother Reynolds shared something with us the other, other week uh, that we laughed about a little bit. Uh, but this is what this says. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And we'll talk about that later. But pray for one another. Guys, we got to do this. Let's, let's, let's honestly, when we have a prayer request or a prayer need, let's take it to the Lord in prayer. Because what that does is that signifies that we have authentic community, authentic relationship. When your child comes to you or your parent comes to you and say, I need you to pray for me, you pray for them, right? But what about your brothers and sisters sitting up here in church? We have a responsibility to pray for one another. And I'll add, be there for one another. All these one another's signify relationship. And God wants us to be in authentic community, authentic relationship with each other. Quit running from people. Let me say it again. Quit running from people. I know maybe you're shy. I know maybe your, 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 your makeup and, your, and the way you are uh, doesn't necessarily lend itself to being as outgoing as other people. But listen, start where you are. Say, God, give me the boldness and the wherewithal to be able to, to have a conversation with another believer who I may not know, who may be different than me, who may not act the same way I act, who may be a baby in Christ has still got some stuff that needed to come out of them, but I still need to relate to them. Do so. And watch God, amen, begin to build that bond in this body. 
We got to love each other and pray for one another. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you.